Thank you, Pastor. Um, I'm very excited today. Um, so we're going to start in uh, Paul's epistle to Colossians, chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave all of us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity, and I ask that I would be a vessel that you speak through tonight. As we take some time to look at um, the idea here of, of deepening our roots, I pray, Lord, that we have some meat that we can uh, uh, dine on and that we could uh, be motivated, Lord, to take responsibility to deepen our roots, Lord, so that we would be a tree planted by streams of water that bears fruit in its season. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, as I was just conversing with Paul a little bit, um, he asked me, you know, it's been a while since I spoke, and I right away wanted to talk about how busy I was. And I've been really busy. Um, I have a wedding to plan. My daughter is getting married in November, which seemed like a good idea at the time, but as we're on the other side, almost at the end of August, it's coming upon us. Um, also, my summer is over, so I've started back at school, which... Again, I do it every year. It's always fun, but it's a panic, it seems to be, every year. And I think I'm prepared, and then I discover not so much. And uh, last year, uh, my bosses asked me to be a part of this presentation that they were doing at this big conference in uh, Novi yesterday and wanted me to be a part of a panel, but they didn't tell me anything that they wanted me to say, so they didn't prepare me at all. And for the two weeks that we had in professional development, they were telling me, oh, yeah, we're going to have to pre prepare Mr. Gepper. Mr. Gepper, are you ready? It's coming up. You're going to be speaking, Mr. Gepper. And it's like, I think they just wanted to see me sweat. So I had, like, all this anxiety. And then um, I was speaking tonight. So it was like all of this is just coming up on me, and I'm having a little bit of a panic attack. And I went to bed last night, and I had this crazy dream. You ever have that? Maybe I ate too many burgers before I went to bed. Um, but I dreamed that I was on the show Survivor last night. <laughs> and it was like, you know, God saying, cast all that anxiety on, on him because he cares for us. And so I want to take a little look at this scripture. Um, we're going to start with the, just focusing on verses 6 and 7. And I'm going to refer to the rest of it. That's why you have it there. Um, 
So just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. The King James is rooted and established, um, being a, a, a building, so to speak. And um, really, I, I had this, the Lord laid this on my heart right away when I was asked to speak, and I was thinking about um, a group of people in our country which has, have become larger and larger in our population, and they refer to them as the nuns, uh, not the Catholic nuns, but the nuns, the people that have no church background or religious affiliation whatsoever. And I'm discovering more and more in my classroom, kids don't know who Jesus is. They don't know some of the basic things that we had talked about um, just uh, being raised in what we took for granted as a Christian society. And um, parents also don't have that um, religious affiliation or um, knowing exactly the stories of the Bible, Noah or Moses, or things that we just take for granted. Sometimes I'll do it off the cuff and mention something that I think everybody will have a reference of, and all the hands, they don't know. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. And there's also another group uh, that is just as concerning. They're referred to as the Duns. And these are people that have gone to church, have had church affiliation, may have been involved in leadership or lady leadership, but for one reason or another, they just don't go anymore. It's a conscious decision that they just don't um, attend church any longer. And that is something that has kind of concerned me. And so um, here's an assignment you can have while I'm preaching to keep your mind occupied. You can come up with a word that rhymes with the nuns and the duns, and maybe you can come up with something that we can describe uh, as what we do in church. Maybe the ones or the funds or, you know, I, I don't know. But I, didn't, I was not able to come up with one. And uh, a couple of things with this idea of those who are the nuns is whenever I talk to people that uh, don't go to church or don't have an, a, a religious affiliation or haven't really gone for a while, they have a lot of assumptions and a lot of preconceptions about what they think happens in a church or what kind of people go to church. Uh, I remember when I pastored, I had this friend of mine that uh, he was a carpenter and he was doing some work for me at the church and I was trying to get him to come to service and he talked about how, you know, the church would just fall over if he walked into the building. And it's like, brother, I go every Sunday, trust me, it will not fall over. Um, the idea is that being too sinful for God and that's a preconception. That's a misconception. That's uh, not fully understanding the gospel and just putting that as a barrier to uh, hinder you from coming in. Um, also, I have a good friend of mine uh, who is, I guess, in that category of the Duns. Uh, he and his family had been involved in church and got hurt by the pastor. And that's something that they're not able to let go. And um, I've, I've gotten them a couple of times to darken the doors of the church, but uh, going on a regular basis and having become a part of his every, he just doesn't really want that um, any longer. And uh, Jesus' parable of the sower and the seed just comes to light there. You know, uh, the sower went out to sow seed and it fell along the path and the birds picked it up right away. And when Jesus is given the, that uh, interpretation of that, he talks about how the seed that fell along the path is those who, um, you know, they hear the word, 
with joy, and then Satan snatches it before it ever has a chance to grow, to bear fruit. And uh, there's also the seed that fell amongst the rocks. And uh, Jesus talks about how that, as those who receive it with joy, but when uh, things get tough, it withers and dies because it has no root. And so I really want to focus on deepening our roots today. Um, and then, of course, the seed that went along in the thorns, it grew for a while, but then uh, the cares of this life choked the life out of it. And we see that uh, in people's life every day if you're in the church uh, for any length of time. And the, 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 so, the story of the sower and the seed is really the story about the soils. And so I want to ask you, what kind of soils do you want to be today? Jesus talks about, uh, and then the seed that fell along the good soil that heard the word of the joy and grew and bore fruit 30, 60-fold. Um, and if you don't know the answer to that, you want to be good soil. <laughs> so um, our first point here is uh, it says B, and I want to focus on that from verse 8, be on your guard. If you look, it says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tra tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And, um, you know, uh, this happened this morning, so it's a perfect illustration. We have a uh, plethora of rabbits in our neighborhood. And, you know, my wife kind of likes bunnies because uh, she had one, and then we had one when, we, when our kids were little. And, you know, I can hear the, uh, the VeggieTales singing, the bunny, the bunny, you got to love the because they're just hopping along, you know. Well, this morning as I went to work, I saw a bunny who wasn't hopping along any longer. Um, he was uh, caught by a predator and was an unpleasant sight in the morning. And that bunny forgot to be on its guard because there are predators that are around seeking to whom to devour. And we as Christians have that as well. Um, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, it's in your notes, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. 1 Peter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic. Love, that's not my verse. I'm sorry. Um, it's 5, 8. Well, I made the effort. It's 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls along along around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. And then uh, in 1 Timothy verse 4, and 4, verse 16, that's not on your list. If you want to write it there, you can. It's watch your life and your doctrine closely. <clears throat> Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And there's, there's three things that I want to just kind of focus on this idea of be on your guard. Be on your guard with your heart. How many know that it doesn't, know, it doesn't matter who you are or where you are, somebody somewhere is going to hurt you. 
It happens in the church as well because the church is full of people. The church is full of fallen people. The church is full of people who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, yet they have not reached that perfection. Be on your, on your guard. Guard your feelings. Um, guard your heart. Don't, don't just trust in your feelings. And we'll talk about that in the next section, too, about, um, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't be captive uh, by, uh, uh, what's the, the phrase there? Don't be captive by, decept that's a deceptive philosophy, which a lot of times people today, they live by their feelings. You know, how many of you have ever had a bad day or felt sad? How many heard, have ever heard of uh, Charles Spurgeon, uh, the great uh, 19th century preacher? Do you know that he used to deal with melancholy? Uh, we, call, we may call that depression or uh, being sad or, or whatever. Sometimes you just feel bad, especially when situations in your life start to uh, not go the way that you want. You start getting down on yourself. Um, you know, I'm not a good person. I'm not a good father. I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good teacher. I'm not, you know, and they just pile upon themselves, right? Is any of that true? Nobody loves me. No. Jesus loves you. And he loves you unconditionally because his love is not based on anything that you do. It's based on who he is. Do you see what I just did there? We took feelings and we gave it some truth there. Um, how many have ever read Pilgrim's Progress? I love Pilgrim's Progress. Um, it's a little bit of a, of a slow read because it's an, it's an analogy or an allegory and it's very much that way. So sometimes it's a little hard, but the main character's name is Christian, and he's traveling <laughs> to uh, the celestial city. Uh, but he gets kind of off track, and he ends up in the dungeon of a giant called Despair, who tortures him. And, you know, Christian and his friend, they're, they're hanging in chains, suffering. And then he has a moment, an aha moment, where he realizes that he doesn't have to suffer in this dungeon of despair because he has the key and has been there all the time. How many of us suffer from the giant of despair because we forget we have the key? And the key's name was promise. God promises us things, doesn't he? You know, oh, well, I'm not a good person. I'm not a strong Christian. I'm not this. I'm not that. Um, I can never be perfect. You know, Jesus doesn't love. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. So that idea of you being redeemed and being uh, sanctified and being transformed, it doesn't depend on you. It depends on him and the power of his Holy Spirit. We trust in him. Well, my son or my daughter, they're not walking with the Lord where they want to be. I wasn't a good father. I didn't raise them properly. Uh, I made these mistakes, and, you know, now it's my fault. Come back to the word. Um, you should be saved, you and your household. Um, you can trust in the Lord because he is trustworthy. Um, guard your heart. Secondly, guard your doctrine. 
We don't live by feelings. We don't live by the culture. We don't uh, follow the culture and say, oh, okay, this is popular and this isn't, so therefore I have to change and adapt. God's word's eternal. God is immutable. He is unchanging. And so he doesn't try to change to fit the culture. We change to fit him. And so we want to watch our doctrine uh, closely. We want to guard our doctrine. We don't want to get caught up in uh, what other people say. Uh, the Bible talks about a time where people won't endure sound doctrine. Instead, uh, they'll turn to itching ears that make them feel good. You know, I want to go to a place that makes me feel good, where it makes me feel like I'm a success and I'm going to be rich and, you know, I'm going to drive a new car and I'm going to have a big boat. And my dad used to say, you know what the two best times are in a person who owns a boat? The day he bought the boat and the day he sells the boat. Those are the two days in a person's life with a boat. Um, so, and then finally, uh, you know, guard your life. Uh, the thing that's important for us to understand is that we are um, Christ's ambassadors, meaning that uh, people see us because of the change that God has done in us. And so we need to allow ourselves to be transformed and understand that there's a change that takes place um, when we meet Jesus for the first time and then each and every day, that idea of sanctification every day. We read the word and we... we, we uh, do you know the term washed in the blood? Uh, back when I was new in the Lord, it was, it was popular in our church. Have you been washed in the blood today, brother? It's like, ick. <laughs> no. <laughs> but the idea is that we die to ourselves daily. Uh, it's not I who wills. It's not I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. And so uh, that idea of those are things that we need to put um, a barrier, a wall around, and protect it. And be on the lookout because there's people that want to take that down. If they can get you to trust your feelings, if they can get you to, 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 to buy into that and believe that and disregard God's word, the devil is a thief. He seeks to kill and destroy, steal to kill and destroy. And so we have to be a lookout. Don't be, don't be like that, that bunny who wasn't paying attention um, and now he, he, paid, he paid the whole price there. So, um, Your second point is be diligent. Now, I love being a teacher uh, because in June, I get the summer off. Um, but I do have to come back and start the whole thing all over again. And um, there's some time when I go into my classroom and I look it up my accumulation over the years and I have to spend some time in, with reflection. <laughs> Do I really need all this stuff? And I have to purge it, which is very difficult for me, um, dis, uh, discarding things, um, books especially, because one of the things I like to do is to motivate. I teach second grade, and so um, that's really a... a, a transitional stage for them becoming readers. And so it just kills me to discard books. Uh, but we did a bunch of that, discarding books this year. And uh, planning and preparing for the next year. And 
The one thing to keep in mind with children who come to my classroom is even though these precious little ones can be challenging and you know some of them are stars, I remember them years later, uh, they are the best the parents are sending to them. That's their little baby. They are loved by those within their family. And as a teacher, I need to keep that in mind. I need to make sure that I learn to love them and protect them and nurture them and teach them and challenge them and motivate them just like they were my own children. In the church, we need to kind of do the same, don't we? Because people, whether you like it or not, they bring their best when they come in our doors. You know, a lot of people that have been hurt by churches is because there have been Christians who have been judging them or made side comments or there's something that came back to them or they felt, you see how they, they felt something or whatever. And so we who are mature need to take a different stance and see that those people are God's best that are brought into our buildings to give them the opportunity for us to help them become disciples. Um, we need to be diligent. We need to understand that uh, we have um, some work to do. So then just as you received Christ as Lord, verses 6 and 7, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I also have um, 2 Timothy 2.15 do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. And then the last, well, I got, I got two more, I'm sorry. Um, Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, that's that be on your guard, or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and his leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And then Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. Be diligent. One of the things that I do as a teacher, um, I take students as first graders that come up who are learning to read. You know, and if you ever sit with, um, we call them emergent readers, which for me, I started teaching in high school, now I'm teaching second grade. And so for me, sitting with an emergent reader who's breaking the word apart and decoding, it's like a pain worse than death for me. I'm sorry. It's just, it's like I have to take all the sharp implements away from the table when I sit down with them because it's just, it's just difficult for me. Um, my wife teaches kindergarten. It's a joy for her. For me, it's painful. Um, what I do is I motivate them. That reading is something that's exciting. I talk about how with fiction we use our imagination and with uh, informational text we learn and all these different cool things that we can do. Uh, we can use our imagination and we can um, uh, build stories and go to places and travel all over the world or travel in space or travel back in time. We do all these, these, these cool things. 
Or if we read an informational text, we learn about sharks or we learn about uh, octopus. Did you know that an octopus can fit through a hole that's about the size of a quarter? It was amazing. I saw this on uh, the Animal Planet one time. And this huge octopus got on the boat, and it's squirreling across the deck of the boat. I'm going, where's it going to go? Well, there's a little porthole that the anchor was through, and that thing squeezed through the... It was, it was, it was amazing. It was fascinating because they don't have any bones. If they can get that beak through that hole, they're gone. Those are things you can learn about if you read, or snakes, or alligators, or crocodiles, you know. You know the difference between an alligator and a crocodile? One you'll see later, and the other you'll see in a while. <laughs> Sorry. I did tell you that I taught second grade. Um, one of the things that we do with literacy, we have readers, we call them emergent readers. These are readers who are just learning to read. And one of the things that you do with emergent readers is you get them in front of print all the time. Uh, things like McDonald's, for example, they can recognize McDonald's or Pepsi or Coke. That's called an emergent reader. So you put all kinds of print in front of them all the time, advertising. They see it on television. Uh, you point this out. Uh, I still remember when my daughter was in that situation. Uh, she would read and write, and she'd write out squibbly things. I go, what are you writing? She goes, well, I'm writing in Chinese. <laughs> because she, could, she didn't really know how to write, but she knew that writing was some form of communication. Um, that's called an emergent reader. Then they get to a novice reader where they're decoding, and they're breaking down sounds and blends and rhymes and, uh, simile and all these different things. And then we get to the point where I want them to be at, which is a fluent reader. Because when you get them to a fluent reader, you know, the world's your oyster. You can do pretty much anything you want, and then you uh, can build on that, and they can go reading and writing. One of the things that we have as a literacy program is called the Daily Five. And uh, with the Daily Five, what you do is um, there's five things that students should do, well, every day. I don't really get to it every day, but the idea behind it is it's supposed to be every day. Um, and students should read to themselves. They should read try to read, pretend to read, look at the pictures or whatever, they should spend some time reading to themselves. Another one is partner reading, read, read with someone. And the idea is, is as a team, they can work through text together. Um, the third one is listening to reading, where you get a fluent reader and they read fluently and they listen to that and that model is for them. Um, and then we have word work which is kind of the meat and potatoes where they learn an unfamiliar vocabulary or we get them to academic vocabulary. I don't know what this word means. I'm going to look it up. Find out the definition. What does it mean? Um, and then lastly, uh, we want them to get to the writing because writing is really the highest form of literacy. Um, we want them to be able to communicate their thoughts. And I'm falling apart here. We want to do that in second grade, so we're not really there yet, but that's the goal. Um, and the idea, what does that have to do with this? Well, if you're diligent as a Christian, what is our, our um, I want to say motto? Give me another word. What is our, our vision statement? Is that mission statement? Okay. What is that here at uh, Woodland Church? Somebody show pastor that you get the gold star. 
I'll give you a little help. Persuading, passionate followers of Jesus. Okay? And that's really, it takes this from more than just darkening the door. Right? Amen? More than just responding to an altar call. Those are important, right? But you have to go to the next level. And what I try to do as a teacher when it comes to literacy is I want to motivate my students to want to read. How many have ever heard somebody say, I don't like to read? Oh, my goodness. That's, I just want to drop dead. It's like, uh, what was that, the fairy Tinkerbell? You know, whenever anybody said, uh, I don't believe in fairies, boom. I don't like to read, boom, Mr. Gepper drops dead. Because reading is so important in this world in which we live. And it's so important in our quality of life. It's so important in our relationship with God. To read the word of God in our own language. What a powerful thing that is. Did you know there was a time when that was unavailable to you and me? And people actually that tried to change that gave up their lives in very horrific manners just so that we could have the Word of God in our own language so we could put it up on our shelf and dust it. No, that's not why. It's because through the Word of God, we can get to know Christ. Our mission statement is important. Our purpose as a church is important. Um, maybe, uh, uh, well, I'll just do what I did. When, when I was pastoring, we, had, we were part of the purpose-driven church where we talked about what our purpose was um, and we had four four things that um, is important in a church and that is to um, to worship God to become a disciple discipleship uh, ministry or service uh, evangelism and then I always like to tack on missions because missions was always something that we did in our little church in Carleton because there was a great big world out there I wanted our congregation to know about um, the reason I, I hesitated there is because I'm not sure if that's in Woodland 101 or Woodland 102. One, okay, yeah. Woodland 101. I think I'm going to be signing up for Woodland 101. <laughs> you should too, because that discipleship is very important. It's the idea of, of, of going beyond. It's, it's important to come to, to church and worship God. How many know that corporate worship is something that's very important and that those who are the duns are missing a whole part of our relationship with God? They just miss that corporate fellowship and that, that I missed fellowship. How did I do that? Worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, evangelism. Okay. Fellowship. Fellowship is in there. I'm sorry. It's been a little while. So the idea there is is that that's a very important that part that they miss, that they can't have. And there's something about corporate worship. We're so glad that we're past this part in COVID that we can actually assemble together. Amen? How many missed that? You could watch it on TV in your jammies, but it was different than actually coming to wor service, worshiping God with the congregation, uh, doing your high five or your fist bump, saying, I am glad to see you today. God bless you. It's different. It's a very important part. Um, I don't want to lose my time here. Okay. All right. So the idea is that there's some stuff that we have to go beyond. We have to 
Uh, the worship and fellowship is where we have the opportunity to spend time in the presence of God. And when we were, um, when, when bankers talk about um, training new tellers in, where they handle money and how to spout counterfeit, uh, this is something that I found interesting, is they don't point out the flaws with the counterfeit. What they do is they give tellers an opportunity to handle the real thing. So they handle money. They count the money. The money comes through, and then they slip them a counterfeit bill. And right away, there's something wrong here. Something wrong here. When you spend time in God's presence and someone tries to come with a deceptive philosophy or something that's not true or something that's contrary to the word of God, the spirit checks you. And there's something, something not right there. I remember when I got saved, I was 17 years old, and um, I was a little enthusiastic at the time, um, which I know some of you that know me go, what? So I was a little excited about Jesus, and I had some people come knocking to my door, and they started talking about the kingdom of God, and I was like, cool, come on in. I just got saved. Opened the door, and they started sharing with me from the, from, from, from the Bible, and they're talking, and they started talking about Jesus being a created being and some of this other stuff, and I'm going, wait a minute. That doesn't sound, oh yeah, it's right here, and it's right there, and it's like, but that doesn't feel right. Because I had been spending time with the real thing. I had been spending time in God's word. I had been spending time worshiping and spending time in his presence. And so right away, the Holy Spirit checked me and said, that's not right. I don't know why it's not right, but it's not right. And so, you know, I kind of had that, it kind of, it was kind of a letdown to my enthusiasm too, because I was really excited and now I wasn't. It's like, okay, well, so then I had to learn. And Dan and I got married, and we were living out in Redford, and on a Saturday, uh, they came knocking, and I opened the door, and I said, hey, come on in. And so we came in, and we sat down, and they started doing the same thing, uh, going through um, these things. They got to the part where Jesus was created being, and I, I said, hold on a minute. I need you to help me. And I went to this scripture, and the reason I brought this scripture is because this scripture is chock full of doctrine right here. And it says, where's the verse? For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And I said, what does that mean? If Jesus is a created being, how can all the fullness of the deity of the Godhead reside in him in bodily form? And they went, uh. And they said, well, it does say that he was the firstborn of all creation. And we went to that verse, and I said, okay, let's read the whole thing. We got to go. <laughs> be diligent study to show yourself approved spend some time with the word of God get into a, a, a habit you know one thing that used to kill me is I'm not very consistent is there anybody else like that I'm consistently inconsistent so setting routines is very difficult for me. My wife, not so much. Boom, she's up at the same time every day. You know, she does her thing. You know, it's me. It's like, I do the same thing every day. I get out of bed. 
That's my, that's my achievement. Pastor, I know you can relate with that, right? Because you and I are right that same type personality. But you can start small. And you know what? If you're spending time with a devotional, reading like you get the Bible app, and you miss a day, and it starts all over, and you get all mad because don't get mad. Just open it up the next day. Because God just wants you to do what? He wants you to spend time in his word. He wants you to put him first. He wants you to make that effort to grow in him. And you can also take time for the meat and potatoes and start digging deeper, okay? That's the idea of deepening your roots. Um, so, for example, what makes a Christian? What are some of the essential things that all Christians believe in common? What are those things? Do we know? That's a, that's a question. We'll come back to that later in the question and answering period then. How many have ever heard of the four spiritual laws? Has anybody heard of those? People going, you didn't go to Bible college, did you? You didn't get a Bible college education. Well, when I went to Bible college, I had no idea. I had uh, roommates that were talking about arguing between Calvinism and Arminianism. And I thought Calvinism was all about the type of jeans you wore. That was the only thing that I knew about Calvin. <laughs> had no idea whatsoever. But I started to, since I was around and rubbing shoulders with people like that, I started to dig deeper. And I started to find out things like, what is doctrine? Okay, Doctrine is, is what we believe. What do we believe? And does it make a difference? So, for example, when um, I had this experience when we were at, doing a Christmas play, my brother was at a Christmas play, and they talked about the virgin birth. And the guy in front of me cursed and got up and walked out. I don't believe that blankety blank, and boom. Well, is that important? Is the virgin impo birth important? You see? Why? Because that's all the fullness of the deity. Jesus was born without sin. He was born, you know, there's a little bit of background there with Adam and Eve, but he was born with that disconnect of the, of the line of sin. Did I explain that okay? Um, uh, the idea is, is that he was born without sin. So since he was born without sin, he could be our Savior, and there was something special about his sacrifice, and his blood is precious because it can make the foulest, it can cleanse us from our sin. That's why we're washed in the blood today, because the blood cleanses us from our sin. So I goofed up. I made a mistake. I didn't do my devotional on the Bible app, but God forgives me because I stand under the blood of Jesus. The blood can make the foulest clean. Though my sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. So no, the doors of the church are not going to fall in when you come in because there are plenty of other people that have done just as bad or worse than you have, but they are washed in the blood of Jesus. They have been cleansed. They have been set free by the grace of God, and you can be too. You see the power of the gospel? That's meat and potatoes. How many of you know what Cheetos are? <laughs> Do you eat Cheetos? Cheetos are really a popular snack uh, in my school. They like the hot Cheetos, the red ones, the red crunchy Cheetos. Have you ever had the 99-cent the, the Meyer cheese puffs? 
Now, maybe those are fun for a snack to keep your mouth occupied while you're watching TV, watching the Lions play, okay? But it is not going to do anything for you. There is no nutritional value whatsoever, okay? You need to have a full-course meal. You need to have the proteins and the vegetables and all. Help me out with the, I'm almost done. Third point. All right, four spiritual laws, I'm good. Um, all right. The third point, number three. See, I can do that. Be ready. That's the, that's the third point. Be ready. Be ready. 2 Peter 3.15. Uh, in, our, in our verse 7, Paul talks about being overflowing with thankfulness. And the idea is that when you know Jesus and you are in his word, you've been in his presence, you're light and you're salt. You affect people that you are around. Okay? And Peter here says in uh, 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts uh, set apart Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You are not there to win arguments. You are not there to be the smartest person in the room. Sometimes you don't have to say anything because your light is shining or your salt and you're making people thirsty when they see what's in you. But always be ready to give an answer. Know what you believe, know why you believe it, and then be bold and courageous to share it with someone else. Why? Because lost people need to be found. They need Jesus. Uh, the, world, the problem in this world is not who uh, is in the White House or who's in politics. The problem in this world is there are many people who need Jesus, and we as a church need to reach them. All right. I'm just going to wrap that there. Um, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Um, skip down. I already talked about being an ambassador in Christ. Uh, be light that shines, be ready to give an answer, and be ready to introduce them to Jesus. Growth work. Number one, know what you believe. Number two, know why you believe it. Because there's a lot of people who deny the truth, and there's a lot of people that aren't willing to challenge them. Number three, learn how to give your faith away. It's the gospel. It's good news. Um, those titles, all Paul Little has books by all those titles. You can find them on Amazon. Uh, there's Bible Doctrine by P.C. Nelson. Uh, the Case for Christianity by Lee Strobel. Um, we can go through some of these books later, but I want to close now. Um, can I close in prayer? And then I'll open up. Father, I just thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that we had a little bit of a motivation uh, to deepen our roots, not to be seed that is upon the rocks or on the path or even amongst the thorns, that we want to be seed that is on good soil that is watered and tilled and uh, weeded and protected um, that's the kind of soil that I want to be so that I can produce uh, fruit 30 and 60 fold, Lord. And I pray that that would be the challenge that we've had this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
thank you for joining us today for Woodland Church and our YouTube channel. I hope you'll take a moment and click that subscribe button and also click the notifications bell so that you'll know when new things are posted. We're always putting new material up so that you can be a part of everything that's going on. We want to share those with you and we hope that they will encourage you and strengthen you in your faith as you watch. You can also find out more about Woodland Church by going to our website at woodland.church. You can find out all about us and also upcoming events. Again, thank you for joining us today.